Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, and while you are turning there, just as a little bit of a way of an introduction, uh, again, my name is Drew. I don't normally speak. I'm the youth pastor, and Pastor John's given me just the, he's been gracious enough to allow me the opportunity to speak today. And uh, uh, God has just really just arrested me um, with a theme. And, uh, and that theme uh, really has gotten to the point that I've kind of turned it into a little bit of an unusual series. Uh, I, I know series, normally you kind of go week to week to week, back to back to back, and because I don't get to speak every single week, uh, this is kind of a series that's a little bit uh, disjointed, and, uh, and, 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 and I literally went to God this week, I said, God, what do you want to speak on? And he brought me back to this character and this theme and this passage, and so I feel like I'm supposed to continue, and, uh, and, and as long as God will allow me, as long as he continues to, to prompt me, and, and I mean, just shows me so much, I, 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 the plan is to continue, and uh, however it may take me, I, I normally speak about five or six times a year in what, uh, in, in quote-unquote big church. And so th this may be a series that it, it may take me a year to get done, and, uh, but that's okay uh, because God knows what he's doing and, uh, and I just believe it's going to minister to people today. If you did miss the first, which uh, was about three or four weeks ago, um, I'm really talking about the life of Joseph because I believe that there was a theme in his life and that theme was disappointment. He had so much disappointment in his life, whether it was people or, or waiting on his destiny or every part of it. And, and, and I just believe that one of the hardest things that we have to deal with is not just Christians, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, life throws a lot of disappointment our way. And how do we handle it? And what does God have to say about it? And, and I'm thankful that God gives us real characters like Joseph, that we can look at their lives and we can look at how... Uh, God uses disappointment still for his glory and to also give us some practical tips on how to deal with disappointment. So uh, uh, about three or four weeks ago, I spoke on dealing with the disappointment of your destiny and, and how that's difficult to wait. And again, if you haven't heard it and would like to, it'll kind of introduce the series a little bit. I, I, you can check us out online or pick up a, a CD. Uh, but today, I just feel like God is really going to do something incredible because I'm, I'm speaking on the disappointment of something lost. Um, and more, and more importantly, what I believe is that God is going to really restore some people today. I, I, I told my wife right before I got up here, I said, I'm full today. And uh, I just believe that God wants to speak. I'm almost, and this is the good thing, I'm almost a little nervous because I just believe that God has just really just captured me with this text. And maybe it's a familiar text, but the scripture specifically is that as, as King David in Psalms said this, he talked about God, he said, you know, he, he, he described God, he said, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. And I believe that there are going to be some people today uh, that God specifically brought you here and placed this message on my heart because he wants you to walk out of here with lifted head. Maybe you, maybe you walked down with, or walked in with maybe uh, kind of your head down or, or dealing with shame or, and, and I just believe that God really wants to minister today. So that's a long introduction, but um, I don't know. I just think God's going to work today. So Genesis chapter 37, three through four. And then I've got a lengthy passage between 12 through 35. Starting with 3 through 4, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph, and Israel, also called Jacob, was Joseph's father, more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him, also, if you've grown up in church, called a, um, called a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So now let's pick up in verse 12 more about that coat that was given. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring work bad to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard about this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take them back to his father. 
Verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, this is important, they stripped him of his robe. The ornate robe he was wearing, that coat of many colors. And then they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As he sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brother, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let some to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. And he went back to his brothers and said, the boy is it there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see if it's your son's robe. And, J and Jacob, he recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him, and Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he, re he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. And his father wept for him. Let me just pray for this message and for the reading of God's word. God, I thank you so much. I thank you, God, that you give us stories like this. And I just ask, God, that you would allow me to communicate what's in my heart. Help me to communicate clearly, Father God. Let every word that comes out of my mouth, God, be you. And I pray you would open up hearts, God, to receive what you're doing and receive your word today. In your name, amen. Question for you. Have you ever taught somebody something and then realized after you taught them that you didn't tell them the full story? Now, you didn't mean to do it, right? You didn't purposely try to deceive somebody, right? But you have those moments where you, you taught somebody something in any kind of setting, and then you realized after you did it, maybe it was a day later, maybe it was a week later, that you left out some details, that there were some things you realized that you left out, and uh, there were some knowledge gaps that you had to fill, and uh, you, you, again, it wasn't on purpose, but you just realized that you, when you taught what you taught to that person, uh, that you didn't tell the whole story. Let me tell you when that happened to me. It was a couple years ago, and it, and it was nighttime, and I was putting my kids to bed. I've got an eight-year-old daughter named Madison, six-year-old, wow, uh, son now named Davis, and this was when they were a little bit older, and I was teaching them at night some foundational things about their life. As a father, it is, it is my job to teach them uh, really, really, really important things, and yes, don't get me wrong, we say our prayers, we talk about Jesus, we talk about God, we talk about what kind of people we're going to be, how we're going to be kind, nice, and generous, and everything else, and it's my job to teach them, but there also comes a time in every child's life that it is my responsibility as a father to teach them something so incredible, so life-altering, if they don't get this right, they are doomed to a life of mockery and failure and everything else. And so on that particular night, I was teaching them what college football team they had to root for. It's important. I know some of you are looking at me saying, oh, oh no, it's important, it matters. It matters. It really does. And so I was teaching them, well, babies, um, we root for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's who we root for. And I, I, hey, can I get some amens? I can get some amens, right? And so, of course, as I was teaching them about the Bulldogs, because they were looking through this uh, kind of souvenir catalog that had all these college football teams and everything else, they were asking me a lot of questions, right? You know, so they were like, okay, Dad, if we root for the Bulldogs, can we root for the chickens? right? Because I couldn't explain to them what a Gamecock was. Can we root for the chickens? I'm like, baby, no, we don't root for the chickens. That's why they're called the chickens. We don't root for the chickens. Okay, okay. Well, well, daddy, there, there's this tiger um, from, 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 from Missouri. Can we root for them? I said, well, I said, I don't really root for them. I said, but you've got a grandmother, Gigi, that's Gigi's tigers. And uh, I said, as long as they're not playing the Bulldogs, I'm okay if you root for them. I'm okay with that, right? Well, well, daddy, can, 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 we, can we root for the elephants, right? Baby, I, no, no. And you got to kind of be careful of people who show up to church who claim to be Bulldog fans, who actually are wearing houndstooth leggings, and then are like, what? What? And then they say, my husband hasn't said anything to him. You need to get your wife, man. She's wearing houndstooth leggings, bro. 
Right? I mean, I ain't trying to call no names out, but, you know, don't, don't call yourself a Bulldog fan and show up in Alabama again. You can go home with all that. Okay. And so I said, well, I said, no, we don't root for him. I said, but as long as we're not playing the Bulldogs, I don't care if you root for him, baby. But then the question came up. Daddy, can we root for the Gators? And I looked at him and I said, oh, no. There is never, ever, ever a circumstance or a situation where you can watch the Gators play and root for them. Never. In fact, let me tell you what we do when we see the Gators on TV. We boo very loudly. But then questions came up, well, well, you know, well, well, Daddy Papa, which, oh, by the way, Papa's Kim's side of the family. That ain't my side of the family, you know what I mean? Right? Papa roots for the Gators, right? I don't care. It don't matter what Papa roots for. You can boo him for all I care. It don't matter. We will never, ever, ever root for the Gators. We boo them. Do you understand? Let's practice our boos. We're watching the Gators on TV. Boo. Oh, that's not enough volume. Come on now. Let's go. So that was the lesson. Well, a couple weeks after that, uh, I realized that I didn't fully explain that lesson because my kids at the time were playing soccer. And <laughs> Kim knows what I'm about to share now. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was the opening ceremony for all of soccer in Monroe County. So all the teams, every age group, every age group was being represented in like this opening ceremony. And so us, the parents, we were kind of looking up all this or whatever. Uh, ben and Rachel had just started on staff. And so I was kind of excited to hang out with the new worship leader and his wife and family and all that good stuff, right? And so all the teams come out. And I mean, all age groups, I bet you there was 30 teams represented on this field. And just so happened, my son and his team, they were represented on the front row, right? So you, I mean, you had, you had layers. You probably had about five or six layers, and my son's team was on the front row. I'm like, that's my boy, yes. And then all of a sudden, I realized, uh-oh. Because next to Davis's team was a group of little cheerleaders, about four or five years old, and they were the Gators. <laughs> and I looked, and, as the, and I looked as my son was actively in the process. He realized there's Gators next to me. He realized what daddy taught him. And I'm looking at my son on the front row with, with all of Monroe County looking at this, and he is booing these Gators. I mean, I looked up, and he's going, boo, boo. They look at him, and they are like, they're laughing, they're giggling at him. You know, a couple of them were even like, mm. it didn't stop him. He's booing. He's like, boo. Well, of course, Kim is looking at me because I've caused this mess. Uh, I have. She's also, and so am I a little concerned because, you know, we've got the new worship leader and, and his wife here. And so uh, the, the goal was to make a good impression since we're going to work together. And this probably ain't a good, a good first impression. It's not. And anytime Kim's upset at me, again, it's not her fault, it's mine. Anytime Kim is upset at me about anything that I've done, she talks to me through her teeth. And that's the way, that, that's my cue that I know. She comes up to me and she goes, are you going to stop your son? And I looked at her and I said, I said baby, this ain't right. I cannot believe this. this. Davis took my words out of context. This ain't right. She goes, you better handle it. She walks away. As soon as she walks away, I look at Davis. I go, good job, son. Good kid. But I realized in that moment, I realized in that moment, that's a humorous illustration, even though it's true. <laughs> I realized in that moment, you know, I taught Davis a good lesson, but I didn't necessarily tell him all the details. I, I, there's probably a couple of things in my excitement that I probably should have filled him in on. Like, hey, son, if you're at a, if, if you're at a soccer game and you see a group of girls with cheerleaders on, you know, cheerleader outfits and all that stuff, don't boo them. You know, just, just don't, just be cool. I mean, I didn't teach that. I, I left out some details. I left out certain parts of the story that if I would have filled him in about, he would have had a much broader view about how to act in public. And I'm sorry, Davis. I apologize. Your daddy failed you. You still did a good job. Good job. <laughs> well, let's transition to this story. If you've grown up in church, and I understand that there's maybe people that haven't, maybe this is the first time you've heard that story, but if you've grown up in church, there is a great 
chance that you have heard the story of Joseph, his coat of many colors, and how he lost it. I grew up in church since I was nine months before I was born. I've been in church all my life, and I bet you I've heard this story about Joseph's coat probably hundreds of times, whether it was in Sunday school class with the felt board Joseph and the felt board coat, uh, whether it was I've seen a play about it. I've, dr- I've colored many a color in sheets of Joseph and, uh, you know, a lot of pressure because you've got to color the coat of many colors, so you better have a lot of colors, right? I- I've heard it preached about. I've heard it spoken on. I've heard a lot, and we have heard this story so much, but here's the problem. Just like what I did with Davis, I don't believe that we have heard all the story. I believe that there are details that get left out. Again, not on purpose. Nobody's trying to manipulate. Nothing like that. But there are details that have been left out that we need to fill in. And here's the reason why. Because if we don't fill in those details, if we don't cover those knowledge gaps, if we don't look at this story from a holistic perspective, It is so easy to look at the story and and say to yourself, that doesn't apply to me. That was a boy with a coat. He lost it. I, I've never had a coat of million colors. You're, you know, some of my guys, you're sitting there saying, it's, it's big enough just for me to wear just a regular coat. Forget walking around with a coat of many colors. It doesn't apply to me. Next story. But the truth is, is that if we'll take a moment and fill in some of the gaps on this story, we will realize very quickly that this coat and this boy and the loss of this coat applies to us in so many ways. It's huge. And God sent me here today because there are people under the sound of my voice who once we go through this story, you're going to realize that in so many ways, even though thousands of years have passed since this story took place, that in so many ways your life is like the life of Joseph. And what God has done for you is very similar to giving you a coat and maybe you've lost it. Because this coat, the coat wasn't the thing. The coat wasn't the, uh, that, that wasn't the goal, but what the coat represented is applicable to our lives. That coat was given to that boy as a representation, as a symbol of God's love, his favor, and his special destiny that he, that he had for Joseph. It was, it was almost like God putting a physical representation on Joseph through his dad. And saying, you know what, there are special things for your life. And the truth is, God still does the same thing for us. One of the biggest gifts, now now let me just go and say this, the biggest gift God gives us here on this earth is that he sent his son 2016 years ago to die on a cross, to be resurrection again, so that way as we believe on him, our sins are forgiven and we can have relationship back with God the Father. That is the number one gift. If God stopped right there with the gifts that he, give, that he gives us, our life is good. We've gotten more than what we deserve if he stopped with that gift right there. Number one gift. But with that foundation laid, God, our Father, is such a good, good Father that he actually layers. He gives us more gifts than that, and he will come into our lives and give us symbolic coats that will teach us about his love for us and our destiny and what he has planned for our lives in incredible favor. He does that in our lives because he's good. We don't deserve it. But he offers those things. And if I were to put a mic up to each and every one of us, maybe there was probably a time as you began to follow God that he began to deposit things in your heart about who you were going to be, about his special love for you, about his destiny that he had for you. And maybe it was for your family. Maybe it was for your personal health. Maybe it was for the things in the future. Maybe it was for a ministry. I fully believe that there were people here that when you were young, God put that incredible coat of, you are called to minister the gospel in your life. Happened to me. Some of you may be saying, well, Drew, I, I, I get that, but what does it say in the Bible about God giving those gifts? Well, simple. James 1.17 says this. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. He gives us gifts for eternity. He said uh, in Ephesians 1.13, God has given us the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit speaking to our inheritance. But he also gives us gifts here in this earth. Jeremiah 29.11 is one. He says, for I know the plans I have for you and they're good. 
if you will get to that point where you just realize and, and grasp that God will step into your life and he'll put a coat on you. He'll offer you a coat and you'll realize in that moment more than just God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that, even that alone is sufficient for my faith. But he knows me by name. He's got a special purpose and destiny here in my life for me to accomplish what God does that. Who could, God, who, who, who are we that you'd be mindful of us? That you would know my name, that you would, that you would offer me something in this life. Some of you today, you know what that's like. I never will forget when I was 15 years old, God gave me my coat. Was it a physical coat? Oh, no. So you have to understand, I, I wasn't rebellious, all right? I, I wasn't... Uh, I, I wasn't, you know, off the deep end. I wasn't doing drugs. I, I wasn't, you know, sleeping around. I wasn't doing any of those things, right? But in so many ways, I was worse than that at 15 because I was average. I was a nobody. I was average. I had average faith. I had average popularity. I was average in sports, average in music, average with my studies. My life screamed average. And at 15 years old, God pulled me aside and he gave me two coats in my life that I still carry with me to this day. The first one, he said, I'm calling you to preach the gospel. What? At 15? He pulled me out from average and he put a coat on me and he said, you're going to minister. You're going to represent my name. And he gave me a second one at 15 years old. He said, I'm calling you to be a generational curse breaker for your family. The dysfunction that you've seen in your family on both sides, you're called to break that. And at 15 years old, he called me out and gave me those two coats for my life that I've carried with me ever since. I cannot explain to you what that did for me then and what it does for me now that the God of the universe not only would die for my sins, but he would call me out and place a special coat on my life that spoke to his love, his favor, and his destiny for my life. And I believe with everything in me that there are people in this room he has done the same thing for as well. I believe it. Let's talk about that coat a little bit. Now that we've made the parallel, now that we've made the correlation between it's not just a coat, that this is something that applies to your life. Let's talk about that coat a little bit. What made it so special? And what makes God's coat for you so special? The first thing is that it was uniquely fit just for Joseph. His father, Jacob, didn't make a one-size-fits-all coat. He made it. He handcrafted it. He, he took wool. It's not, like he went to, uh, it's not like he went to the coat factory and just picked one up. He didn't, have the, he didn't have one of those in those days. He had to handcraft it from the wool of sheep and, and to go from far off places and get, and get the dyes needed to make this incredibly special coat. And it was sized and tailored just for Joseph. None of his brothers could have worn that coat even if they wanted to. The thing I love about God is that he is so intimately aware with you and with I that he will come into our lives and he will give us coats that nobody else can wear but just for me. He knew that at 15 years old that I needed a coat. He knew that at 15 years old that I struggled with just being average. And he called me out. Nobody else can wear that coat but me. And nobody else can wear the coat that he's given you. He uniquely knows you. But on top of it, on top of the fact that it uniquely fit him, it was designed so he could survive the elements. They were sheep farmers, sheep herders. Those coats were designed so that way when they went outside and the sand's blowing, instead of it hitting their skin, it could protect their whole body. And even though it's a desert during those times, it gets incredibly cold outside. So it would allow them to weather the elements. God gives you promises and coats for your life so that way you can weather the elements because we live in a world that's fallen. 
We live in a world with temptation. We live in a world with disappointment. We live in a world with hurt and with hurting people. And if we don't have a coat in front of us reminding us of what God has for our lives and what he wants to do for us, it is so easy to look at the world around us and at hurting people around us and say, what's the use? I might as well be just like them. But God in his sovereignty not only saves us, but he gives us promises for our future. So that way we've got something to focus on. So that way when temptations, when hurt comes, we're literally able to say to ourselves, I'm not going to be a part of that because God has something better for me. Can I tell you the reason why, as a teenager, I didn't step on the landmines of drug and alcohol abuse and, uh, and, and of sleeping around and, uh, and, and, and anger problems and everything else. Can I tell you why? I wish I could tell you it's because I was such, such a good person, but it's not. It's because when I was 15, God gave me a coat. And I realized at that moment that even though I, un- I did not deserve a bit of it, he placed the coat on me and I said, you know what? If you say that I'm made for more, then I will be made for more. I don't feel it. I don't deserve it. But I am made for more because you say that I am. So I will not walk lockstep with what my friends are doing and what this world says. I will stand on my own two feet. The other thing is that the coat, it was undeserved. His coat was undeserved. You realize that Joseph, okay, his father was Jacob. Joseph wasn't the firstborn. In those days, the firstborn son had all the rights and privileges. Joseph wasn't the firstborn. He wasn't even the secondborn. He was way on down the list. And literally, it was impossible. It was monumental. What happened didn't happen for Jacob to bypass all his other sons and to go to Joseph. Now, he was the firstborn of Rachel, but he still bypassed all these other sons which were born before Joseph, and he put this coat on Joseph's shoulders. There are people here today God is bypassing or has already bypassed other people. It's not that he judges them. It's that he knows you. And it's undeserved. You didn't earn it. You can't explain it. You don't know why he did it, but he bypassed all those other people, and he's putting a coat for you in your life. On top of the fact that it was undeserved, it wasn't even earned. Joseph, with that, and we studied this the last time, he, he was a dreamer. He had dreams about what God was going to do in his life. This coat was given to Joseph before he ever had one dream. We think so many times that, and we live in a culture where we've got to perform to do better. We've got to perform to earn. I do this, which means I earn this. And God stepped into Joseph's life and said, before you ever do anything, let me do this. I believe there are people here that God has done that for you. You're trying to maybe earn it, and you can't earn it. And there are people that God will just step in, even in your worst moments, and he'll place a coat on you, and he'll say, this isn't you. I'm going to give you this, even though you do not deserve it. It was made to show special favor and love, so that Jacob loved Joseph more than any other son. It spoke of a special destiny. Most scholars, if you research this, most scholars believe that by Jacob giving Joseph this coat, what it was also symbolizing, more than just special favor and love, that it was also symbolizing head of household status. That it was Jacob saying to Joseph, when I'm gone, you are responsible for the family. It symbolized being made for more. Because of the colors in it, most scholars also agree that it was a symbol of royalty for Joseph. Now let me get this straight. His family and, what he, and all of what he has ever seen in life was sheep herding. Sheep herding, deserts. Sheep herding, tents. Sheep herding, deserts. Sheep herding, tents. And out of the blue, no matter, even though despite the fact that he's seen, that's all he's ever known, he gets placed a coat of many colors that symbolizes royalty for him, that he is made for something more than that. It's not that what he's done and what he's seen is bad, but that he's got something in his life 
that is killing him made for more. There are people in here who God, despite what you've seen, despite what your past is, despite what your background is, despite what you grew up with, God is offering to you and he's come to you right now and he's literally saying, you are made for more. There are people in your heart, beats in your chest. I know I am made for more than what I've seen. I know that I'm made for more than, than what I've experienced. I know other people have done this to me, through me, about me, or whatever, but God has made me for more, and I'm going to walk into it. It's a coat. It's a coat. It also sealed his reputation. Before people ever saw Joseph's face, they could see this coat, and they knew, wait a minute, that's the coat of many colors. That person's highly favored and loved of his father and of God. But once we talk about the coat, now we talk about the loss. There are many reasons why we can lose a coat. Many reasons. The first one is the jealousy and choices of others. We can lose our coat because of the jealousy and choices of other people. His brothers got jealous and mad. And they said, you know what, if we can't have a coat like this, if we can't have favor from our God and from our Father, we're going to strip him of his. I believe that there are people here today, your coat at some point in your life got stripped of you because somebody else made a choice because all they had was a bunch of hay raid for you. It's not right. Does it change the fact that it happened, but it's not right. People who do not understand hurting people who don't, have, who don't know what their coat is yet, who haven't, who, who haven't received a coat yet for whatever reason, they will look at you and out of their insecurity and jealous will harm you through their actions or their words or their inactions in order to strip you of your coat. Because if they can't have one, neither can you. And you don't ever apologize for your coat. But you do live in an awareness that there are people who will try to strip you of your coat. Maybe there are people here today who have already stripped you of your coat. You know who they are. You can go back to the exact moment, almost like it's a movie, and you can tell them, and you know what they stripped you of. You know what they did. We can also lose our coat because of the ignorance and choices that we make. You know... It probably wasn't the smartest thing for Joseph to go to his brothers day after day, showing off the coat and talking about dreams about how they were going to bow down to him. At best, at best, it was naivety. At worst, it was arrogance. And depending on how you read this passage, you could either say, man, I hate that happened to him, or it could be, he sure did have that coming. If he walked around every day and said, What's up, brothers? Hey, look at me. Holla. Wow. I would be able to see you, but the colors in my coat are blinding me from who you are. Depending on how you read it. Who knows? There is a part of us we can lose our own coat based on our own choices. It happens. Maybe it's through naivety. You made choices that you didn't understand at the time, but you look back and say, man, I lost my coat. Or you knew exactly what you were doing at the time. You knew what you were walking away from. You purposely chose to take the coat off because you wanted to do something else. But either way, whether it's through naivety or whether it's through purpose, your choices can make you lose your coat. He also, you can also lose your coat from the poor judgment of others. You know... I'm, 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 I'm kind of going to have to get on Jacob a little bit because he really didn't set his son up for success. Well, what do you mean, Drew? He, he did something nice for his son. Well, here's the problem with that, is that if you know your Bible and if you go back a couple of chapters and you look at Jacob's dad, Isaac, Jacob's dad, Isaac, plays favorites with sons too, and Jacob wasn't the favorite. There were two sons, Esau and Jacob, and the Bible clearly states that their father, Isaac, loved Esau more than Jacob because Esau was a hunter and he could bring him meat. So let me get this straight. Jacob, you understand what it's like to have daddy issues because your dad clearly doesn't love you as much as your older brother and yet you're willing to repeat the same mistake to the other sons. You're willing to favor one more than others and show him 
and create that jealousy, even though you know how much damage it can cause. Maybe there are people here today who, not because of poor choices or purposeful choices, but just a poor judgment. Maybe there's some patterns that you've seen that just weren't wisdom. Maybe there's some things that you experienced or you did that was just bad judgment. And because of that, you find yourself and you've lost your coat. It could also be from, we also lose our coat from unfortunate circumstances. Maybe it's people, maybe it's just life. There are times that we can look up, it's so easy to look up, and because of all these little things in our lives, we can look up and realize that our coat's lost. Look at Joseph. Why did he travel alone? Let me get this straight. Joseph, go walk in the desert where there's raiders, where there are thieves, where there are people who don't have your best intention. Hey, go walk through the desert with a coat of many colors. Hey, that's great. And walk by yourself. Regardless, I want you to see this is that there are many, many reasons why we can lose our coat. There are many reasons why we can look back on our lives and say, you know what? I used to walk around and I used to feel like God's special one because he had incredible plans for my life and I knew it. And now I look at myself and I don't even have the coat anymore. The loss of our coat is one of the most disappointing seasons we can walk in. That moment that we look back and realize our coat is no longer on our shoulders. It's so disappointing. Whether it's through somebody else's choices, choices of my own. And there have been times I've, in my walk, I've looked back and I said, I dropped my coat. Or somebody took my coat from me. And it is so disappointing. The disappointment comes in a lot of ways. The disappointment, the disappointment of the loss, first of all, comes from the questions. It said that they stripped him of his coat, threw him in a cistern. Could you imagine the questions running through his mind in that moment? Why did this happen? God, where were you? Brothers, why didn't you protect me? Father, why didn't you do better for me? Why did you have to stand me out? God, I thought you had a plan for my life. What's going on? Am I going to die? Am I going to make it tomorrow? Am I going to make it to see the light of day? Could you imagine the questions over and over and over and over in his mind? And for some of you in here today, you've lost your coat. And the thing that torments you late at night, even though you wouldn't want anybody else to see, is the questions of why and how and who. And there's a disappointment in that. There's a disappointment of the loss that comes from the confinement. He was in a cistern. Even if he wanted to go back and get his coat, he couldn't do it. He couldn't climb up out of that well. And there are times that we'll lose our coat. And even if we wanted to go get it back, we don't feel like we can. The disappointment of the loss comes from the isolation. It was one thing to lose his coat, but now he found himself alone. And even if there's somebody who, who, uh, who he could talk to, would he even make sense? Would they even listen and would they even care? The disappointment of the loss comes from the cover-up. It said that his brothers made up this elaborate plan to go kill an animal, cover the coat in blood, and then take it to his father and say, this is what happened. Well, sorry, Dad. Isn't it amazing how when we lose our coat through choices of our own or choices that other people made for us or the circumstances for life, that our instinct is to let's just cover it up. Let's don't deal with it. Let's don't address it. Let's just, nothing to see here. Let, let's just move on with life. Suck it up and move on with life. God brought me here today just to tell you that if you're willing if you're willing to uncover that hurt, uncover the loss of the coat, that you can have incredible restoration in your life today. The disappointment of the loss comes from the change of identity. Do you realize in one day, he went from Joseph, loved of God, incredible plan in my life, God's favor is on my life. In one day, he went from that to his identity now being Joseph the slave. I could not imagine the emotional trauma that happened in that one day. Maybe there were some people here that in one instant, one 
moment, one day, you can go back to it and you can see how your identity changed from loved of God, purpose, God's got a plan for my life, to you lose your coat and all of a sudden your identity has been changed. There's a disappointment in that. The disappointment of loss comes with the detour. Being stripped of his coat and being thrown in a well, that, that wasn't on Joseph's plans. I skipped out a, 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 a portion of this passage, but if you, if you read it, go back and read it, chapter 37. Literally, Joseph was a dreamer, and he had incredible God-given dreams about how one day both, uh, both his brothers and his father and everybody else was going to bow down to him one day. I don't think that he saw being thrown into a cistern, beaten and bloody without his coat. I don't think that was on the radar. I don't think that was part of the plan. I don't think he woke up and said, oh God, would you please give me a detour today? I think he woke up and said, you've got, God, you've got plans for me. God, you've got favor for me. God, you're going to do incredible things. I know it. I think it's great. God, you've got promises for me. God, you've got incredible things for my life. My future is bright. It's so bright I might as well want to wear shades. God, I've got incredible things in my life. And then in one moment, detour. And it happens to us all the time. There are people here today, what you went through and what you are going through is not and was not on the radar. You didn't plan for it. You didn't prepare for it. You had no idea it was coming. And the disappointment of loss comes with the consequences. You realize that Joseph had to pay the tab for both his poor choices and his brother's poor choices. There are always consequences. Even if it's not your fault, when a coat is lost, there is always consequences. They're emotional, they're physical, spiritual, financial, relational. And Joseph found himself not only to lose his coat, but he had to pay the consequences tab for both him and his brothers. You may say, Drew, that's not fair. You're right, it's not. It's not fair and it's not right, but it is life. And there are times that you will look up, finding yourself having to pay the emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, relational tab for other people and for yourself. And there is a disappointment that comes with that. So, Drew, okay, great. We talked about the coat. We talked about how we lose it. We talked about the disappointment. Thanks for making me feel bad. What else you got for me? Time to turn up. When we face loss, how do, we, how do we face the losing of our coat? How do we handle it? How do we, how do we get to the point that, that we get our coat back? How do we gain that confidence? Drew, thank you for telling me what I already know. Now give me some encouragement. You said that you were going to allow me to, to walk out of here with my head held high. How am I going to get there, Drew? I've lost the coat. I agree with it, but now what? It comes in the scripture. Look, his brothers took the coat back. Brothers took the coat back to dad and said, look at this. And what his dad said is so applicable to us. Jacob looked at the coat and he said, it's my son's. I want you to go back again and look at that again. It's my son's. But wait a minute, it's, it's, it's not on Joseph's shoulders. That is my son's coat. Wait a minute, he's not here to claim it. That is my son's coat. Wait a minute, you think he's dead. That is my son's coat. You mean to tell me that even though he's not around, even though he made poor choices, even though other people made poor choices for him, that that was still Joseph's coat? Yes! Nothing could change the fact. Circumstances couldn't change it. Decisions of other people couldn't change it. Poor choices by Joseph couldn't change it. Poor judgment by others, his daddy, his mama, the desert, the well. Nothing could change the fact that at the end of the day, whether it was on his shoulders or not, 
that was Joseph's coat. If, if dad would have sold it, that was still Joseph's coat. If the brothers would have stole it, that's still Joseph's coat. If they would have burned it, that's still your coat. And God sent me here today on the first Sunday of March to tell you it is still your coat. We've got to get to the point that, God, that, that our choices and what we feel in our life and our seemingly loss of the coat does not change God's faithfulness. It does not change how he views us. It does not change his plans for us. Even though we were bad, God is still good. Even though other people made poor choices, God offers solid, good wisdom to us. And he offers every day. If you will look at it with just an ounce of faith and realize, wait a minute, that's my coat. God doesn't sit up in heaven and say, oh, poor choices, let me take it away. God doesn't say, oh, you, you're, you're going through a season of poor judgment, let me take it away. Can we deal with the consequences of choices? Oh, yeah. But as far as God's plan, his purpose, his love, his favor for our life, it's still your coat. Rise up. You put that coat on today. You walk out of here knowing that it's your coat. Nobody can take it away from you. Nobody's words, nobody's actions. It's your coat made specially for you by God. You've got to look at this through an ounce of faith. But some of you may be saying, but Drew, you don't understand. I've made poor choices. I've made poor choices. You're cool. 2 Corinthians 1.20, God's promises to us are yes and amen. God's promises to us are not no and maybe. They're not maybe and conditionally. It is yes and amen. Yes means I'm going to do it. Amen, I've already done it. So when God gives you a promise for your life, when God gives you a code in your life, he is literally saying to you, I've done it and I'm going to do it. Both times, both things at the same time. But Drew, you don't understand, I'll never recover from what they did to me. I'll never be able to stop watching the movie. I'm not discounting that, but Romans 8, 28, for God causes all, all things to work together, for the, uh, work together for the good. It's still your coat. But Drew, I've lost too much. I can never recover. Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for God's call and his gifts are without repentance. It's still your coat. But Drew, you don't understand, so much has happened to me. I'm not even sure God could even love me. Romans 8, 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither anything in all creation shall ever be able to separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Drew, you don't understand. I just feel so wounded, so hurt. How could I ever get the coat back? 1 Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace who called you to, a, to eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a while, will restore you, restore you, and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. It's still your coat. But Drew, my choices, my choices, uh, I, 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 I made poor choices, and I know I can't ask, I, I, I know I, I'm not even worthy to ask for the coat back. Let me just address the lie from the enemy in your life right now called guilt. Let's speak to guilt right now. Right, ready, Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's still your coat. If you will look at it from the eyes of faith, stop looking at your circumstances, stop looking about what people told you, and look at it from what God's word says about you. It's still your coat. Still your coat. God offers you every single day his promises and his work is still your coat. Ben, would you come up please as we close? So here's the question. Did he ever get the coat back? Did he ever get it back? And there is no record of him ever getting the coat back. If you read on in, fur, in further chapters, there comes a moment where he reconciles with his brothers and with his father. He meets his father. They have this emotional moment. And I looked because I wanted the Hollywood ending. I wanted that Hollywood ending where after years... His, uh, his brothers and his father meet Joseph again. He's now in Egypt, number two in the land behind Pharaoh. They meet him, 
And I wanted this Hollywood moment where, Dad, Joe, let's hug it out. It's so good to see you. It's been so many years I thought you were dead. Thanks, Dad. I made it. God's been good. I've got something for you, Joe. This. That moment's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And as I was doing my research for this, that bothered me. I'm like, God, how in the world am I going to preach to these people? It's still your coat when even Joseph don't get his coat back. It's not recorded. And God just spoke to my spirit. This is what he spoke to me today and for you. God spoke to me. He said, Drew, stop looking for a coat and look at his life. Look at what the coat represented. It represented my favor, my love, my destiny. And here, later on in Genesis, we find Joseph, who has walked and fulfilled all of those things due to the faithfulness of God. Still your coat. Even then, it was still his coat. God offers today offers today for you to leave and walk out of here resting in the knowledge that it's still your coat and you're going to look up one day if you continually press into God and his plans despite disappointments you're going to look up and you're going to see his faithfulness you're going to look up one day don't you know what Joseph at that moment looked up and said this is the fulfillment of my dream Later on in life, God, you, you've been faithful. If you, if you actually read the passage, it said that on multiple times as Joseph met with his brother and his dad, that he would have to excuse himself. He'd say, oh, excuse me. And he'd go away and said that by himself, he would cry and just weep. Those moments are coming for people in here if you'll believe. If you'll put your faith in everything that you got, if you'll push every chip on the table and say, God, I don't see it now, but I believe. Where you see the fulfillment of what your coat represented, you'll see it. I believe. I believe all my chips are in, even on my worst day, even when I blow it. I believe that God, I'm going to look up one day, despite the fact that times I don't believe it and I struggle to, I'm going to look up one day and I'm going to see how God has worked in my family with my wife and how we set a solid foundation. And I'm going to see the promise come true that God put on my life at 15 years old that I was going to be a generational curse breaker for my family believe it for you as well it's still your coat I prayed about how to end this I believe that there does need to be a response time and here's how I want to do it um, I'm not a gimmicky person I, I ask my youth leaders I don't really like hype I don't but I believe that God wants to restore some dignity today I believe that God wants to allow people to walk out of here realizing that it's still your coat. He hasn't gone anywhere. And I believe he wants to do it through a, through a representation. So here's what I want to do. Can I please get the elders of the church? Can I please get you to stand up front? And could I also get two or three, I know we got a lot gone on Trace Diaz. Could I also get two or three people, two or three ladies who are strong in the Lord and comfortable praying with other ladies? Kim, you too. Can I get you to up here as well? Let me just make one line. So I've got my gentlemen. I need a couple of ladies. Don't have to have a big crowd. Just a couple. Thank you. Now, and I've already counted, so don't, don't skip out on me. I need every gentleman who has a coat. Would you come up here and hand your coat for one moment and let one of these prayer people borrow it? Let's see, where's Ben? Would you let one of these prayer, prayer partners borrow it, please? We'll give it back, we promise. If it's worth some money, we'll sell it on eBay. Has everybody got one? Come on, we're right here. Thank you so much. 
as a physical representation today. Here's what I want. In a moment, we're just going to play softly. There's not going to be hype. I'm not going to do anything to hype things up. But if you would say, I needed to hear that today, and I needed to know that it's still my coat, if that is you, I know there are times that we have people come and pray by themselves, but I believe this is one of those times that you need to have someone pray the prayer of agreement with you. I think it's going to be healthy to have someone lay their hands on you and you all agree together. They're not going to overpower your prayer. We're going to have a guy with each guy and a girl with each girl. But prayer partners, here's what I want you to do. When they walk up to you, I want you to put that coat on them. And I want you to say those words, it's still your coat. And I want you to pray for them in agreement. So without any hype, if that was you, again, a guy with a guy, a girl with each girl, this is your moment. If you want to stand up and claim, I'm believing today despite my circumstances and what I feel, it's still my coat. While we play and while we worship, everybody else, if this is not you, you pray for the people up front and you worship. It's still your coat. I want to pray.
Know that there are a couple of people still praying, and I'm, I'm not going to interrupt that time. In fact, when we're done, if you would do me one favor just so that ministry doesn't get interrupted, but I'll leave as quietly as you can. People are still praying, but I'll leave you with this. You're going to leave here today. Give it 30 minutes, give it three months, three weeks, and you'll find that there will be times through choices that you've made. But when that happens, still your coat. Go walk over, repent, ask God's forgiveness, put your coat back on. Maybe people will make choices for you. Brush them off, forget their words. Still your coat, pick it up. I found that the longer I walk with God, one of the keys to me continuing to walk with him is to always remember to pick up my coat. And do not let the enemy lie to you. Because what he'll tell you is, drop your coat. What's wrong with you? You could have done better than that. Why'd you drop it in the first place? You ignore, just ignore all that noise. Pick up your coat. Because there's nobody else that can pick up your coat and wear it but you pray that you would leave today encouraged, 
pray that you would leave today with a new sense of purpose and destiny because it's your coat. Father, I just pray that you would just allow us to worship you today. Let us leave this place with burdens lifted because of the sacrifice your son Jesus Christ made for us on the cross. We thank you for every bit of it in your name. Amen. You have an incredible day.